Hello and welcome back to a very special episode of Boys Gone Wild. Uh, this is the second time I'm having a go at this. Um, my recorder, which has trust, been trusted with me for 40-something episodes, has finally decided to choke out and die. But let, we're, we're tentatively going for a second take and hopefully I'll be able to get this golden content, this historic moment, as I finally managed to get my very good friend and comedian Josh Weller on the show. Um, I've been trying to get him on the show for a while. Uh, the first time I think I asked Josh to come on the show was uh, in the aftermath of the George Floyd incident. Yes. And then I found someone who was... Um, Say it. Uh, someone who was... More black. More black. Properly black. Yeah. So, uh, but you were like my first go-to. Um, but then I realised I could actually find someone who was more black. Cause yeah. You've, you're, he's asked me four or five times and then he'll text me on a Monday going, can you do the podcast? Yeah. Pod. He calls it a pod. Yes. Because he's a Zoomer. Perfect. Yeah. And then, um, and then I'll just get, I'll go, yeah, sure. And then just silence for silence. a week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I'll see that he's got someone more sort of yeah. cool. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, so you've, Basically, you're at the bottom of the barrel now. Um, yeah, so this week I sent out some messages to the <laughs> blackest friends I had and like the kind of the, the kind of interesting and then none of them came through, uh, uh, but you were available. Which yes. Is, as always. And also, uh, I, <laughs> you're not you're not dressed as zoomery as no. usual. Normally, you're vaping mm-hmm. with, there's another guy here. Yeah, vaping as well. Right, both vaping. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that's not, abhorrent yeah, 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 yeah not vaping is abhorrent that's fine vape both, away yeah, yeah, yeah but both vaping while yeah. po- like so you'll be talking about it'll be like oh yeah kanye west <laughs> and then like an obnoxious plume and there's two of them doing it yeah. and they pretend that that's not insane yeah, yeah. both wearing both dressed like poochie the dog for the simpsons do you yeah. remember poochie the dog we'll get a photo we'll fine. get a picture there yeah, there's yeah. poochie when the when the itchy and scratchy was much like you're grappling for ratings by getting me on, yes, they would have a following. Which is, no, I don't. I have, you have followers. More, you have followers, but so they're very. They, they don't, don't engage with you much. If I do anything other than try and make them laugh, they they stop following. What it's opposed to all that other emotional stuff you like no, to post, <laughs> all that political stuff you like that you're so famed for. <laughs> but my followers will be like they'll. Do, I don't think you, did you do a black square for Black Lives Matter. Yeah, but I deleted it. <laughs> clearly, clearly they don't matter that much to you then. Jesus Christ. No, I did it. No, I, I did do, it. I, I posted it. it. But then I, I thought, it. I thought, you know what? This is clogging up the feed. Let's get back to it. Yeah, no, because that was a funny day. Sorry, you go ahead. You go ahead. That was a, but it was a really funny day when it was I'm like, saying... everyone post a black square or you're racist. Yeah. And then it was like, you know, all these white liberals posting black squares, you're clogging up the feed when actual black people are trying to save pe- other people's lives and you're clogging it up. And it was like, hey, I support this. Here's a black square. And then you get a comment going, hey, can you not use the hashtag black lives matter because you're, clog- <laughs> you're actually making it worse for us. And I was like, oh. like mate, I had, I had five conversations with different black friends on that day and all of them went, I don't really want to post this. Was it one black friend you kept bugging five times? <laughs> Sorry, guys. Um, it was five different friends and we all were like, and I'm not, I'm half black. Yeah. So I posted half a black square. <laughs> <laughs> and I went to both protests. Yeah. 
as well. I went, went to Black to Lives Trump Matter. Day, yeah. yeah, yeah. It was really weird because I spray painted Churchill is a racist on a statue on a Monday. And then I scrubbed it off on a Tuesday. And pissed on it on a Wednesday. <laughs> <laughs> and um, yeah, it was, yeah, I, it, it was interesting because I, I was like, okay, this is, this is just, cla- and, and, and I was right. It didn't change anything. Everyone uh, went, a few people read a book. No, racism is pretty much done now. A few people went, oh, I'm reading. I've just, I didn't read. And they learn, oh, anti-racism. They learn all these new words. I've got to be. and they, uh, It's I, not good I, enough to be. My implicit racial bias. I've got to do. And now they're just back to posting pictures of fucking cats. Yeah. And their asses. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. It, did, it didn't, it didn't fix. And that's why Wait, I. Wait, what, what, but. I, I do agree that it, it, that it's liberal bullshit for sure, but well, hang on a minute. Let's not. Let, let's not. <laughs> but um, y- y- the the goal isn't to, for people to stop p- posting pictures of their cats and bums. Do you know what I mean? Like people will say, you going back to doing what you like. What are we meant to just? Con- all we're meant to do now is go like Black Lives Matter constantly yes. until racism's done. Yes, we've solved it <laughs> until we solved it. Yeah. No, I just it just I it, I. I obviously it was a it was a it, it's important and it has to be said and, and something has to be done obviously. Obviously, oh yeah, yeah, we, me too. But I, I, I I've got him on the. I've, clearly, I'm not like he's. You know, my mum's proper as well. Yeah, she's a actually. Yeah, she's uh, black in that. So. And my dad's obviously fancy yeah, the black. We'll, we'll leave that. He we'll fancy the black woman enough to. So you you got a non-racist dad and a black mum, which is pretty solid. Pretty good. Yeah. yeah. But what what is hilarious? My dad is pretty racist. No, he is actually. Yeah, but that's probably why he likes your mum actually for a bit of like. (laughs) (laughs) Um, uh, No, because what is what I like about you uh, is that you are kind of like a weird contradiction in your personality and how you look. Because you're half black, half white, but you're brown. So like, yeah, it's annoying. annoying. Yeah, technically you're brown. Yeah. And but so like I see brown people the way they speak to you as if you're like a kin, you know. Uh, but you're that's the only color that you're not. Do you know what I mean? No. Do you know? So like you're you're white and black and yeah. you're half. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you came out brown, but that's the only race that you're not. Well, no, I'm also not Chinese. <laughs> that's true. I'm, that's there, I'm, I'm, I'm actually not most races. Most of the races I'm not. I am only two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just I, go. It's a funny idea, isn't it? Just go with it. Stop with all these fucking facts. Boring. I, I think that um, it's, it is weird because I don't feel, um, you know, because obviously all my siblings and cous- my sister, my cousins, they're, yeah. we're all brown in different shades of brown. Yeah. Um, but we... You know, my mum's got four or five brothers and sisters. Yeah. And, you know, obviously she's from a big black family. Okay. And my dad is from a very white family. Mm-hmm. Um, and Your dad is hilariously white as well. Because there's white people and there's white people. And your dad's a white person. <laughs> yeah, he likes aeroplanes. <laughs> but like, then I like aeroplanes. Yeah, you're a white it's, person as well. <laughs> no, it's a real conflict because there's I have both sides. I remember when I was a kid watching um, uh, Billy Connolly. Yeah. And my dad's in hysterics. Yeah. And my mum's like, this isn't funny. And then watching uh, Richard Pryor. Yeah. And my mum was in hysterics. Yeah, and my dad yeah, yeah. was like, I don't, why does he keep saying that word? You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there was a real like. Uh, and you I, like both. Yeah, I got both. Yeah, now. Yeah. And now I ha- now they're divorced. Yeah. So now they're divorced. And my dad, mm. he, my dad doesn't quite get it. So when I was growing up, black mum, white dad, people can do the sex math. 
and they go, well, they had sex and they made a brown kid. Done. But now they're split up. My and I'm just with my dad. Yeah. People t- like so my dad when he is in London he stays in this hotel in London right and I, and whenever I go yeah and meet him for yeah. like a pint or whatever I'll call my dad and go hey I'm outside the hotel and he's like oh well, just tell them at the desk just come up to the room and then I go to the reception and go hey I'm here f- um I'm Mr Weller's son and they always go mm-hmm. what like your your rent boy and then they pick up the phone and go hey uh, <laughs> Mr Weller. <laughs> Your son is here, <laughs> and then they do this, mm-hmm. and I'm like, and I know what's happened, and they go, he says you can go straight up to the room, and I'm like, what the fuck's that? So I, I always, I've done this multiple times. I run up to the room. My dad will answer like in his pants. He's like, <laughs> because the hotel, because it has a trouser press, because there's a trouser press, and that's a treat for my dad. Yeah, you know, yeah, like, yeah. If you're in a fancy hotel, there's little. If things. you're over fifty and you see a trouser press, you're, you're, you're you know, gonna... like if you go to a toilet and it's got that shoe buffer, you are fucking using it, right? <laughs> <laughs> stupid thing white old guy in a trouser press don't leave them in a room together right that's like Disneyland for the for the for the boomer and my dad will answer the door and he'll be like, and I'll be like come on dad let's go let's go let's go and he's like what's the hurry he goes I've just I've just finished work he's I've like, just finished I've just started pressing my like, trousers he'll be he'll have some he'll be de-shelling pistachios and there'll be a time he's like what's the hurry I'm like if we're more than seven minutes they're gonna think I was sucking your dick <laughs> And he does not get it. He doesn't get it. So we'll go downstairs and he'll be like, it's my son. And they'll be like, yeah, of course it is. Because yeah. we look nothing alike. <laughs> and he does he not. He looks like an a, like a unhappy gay man in a straight marriage who's come down to London. <laughs> he's, like, he's come down to London. Um, he's got a, a rent boy. And because he's already, um, it's already taboo because he's gay, he's like, might as well make him mixed race. And then get someone who looks like, you know, like Inspector Gadget just coming in. <laughs> he, um, I asked him recently, I went, uh, I hope he doesn't watch this, but he, I asked him recently that when all the Black Lives Matter stuff happened, because I was born in England, but I grew up in Malaysia, and then I moved back to Suffolk when I was like nine, ten years old, like okay. kind of bumfuck nowhere. It was quite racist part of the country. Yeah. And no offence to anyone in Suffolk, but if you're watching this and you're, you're probably a racist. Prob- most likely. Most likely. Not yeah. all of you, but 90%-ish. Yeah. And, um, and uh, I asked my dad, I went, this was like a couple of months ago, I went, yeah. did it occur to you at any point that, you know, we grew up in Malaysia in a very kind of multicultural society, did it occur to you that when we moved to Suffolk and you sent your nine-year-old kid to a primary school, did it occur to you that I would be subjected to quite a lot of racism? Yeah. And my dad went, <laughs> never even thought about it till that moment and he, it never crossed his mind which is so weird because he married a black woman in the 80s you'd think he'd be like super woke yeah my dad maintains it because my mum is so confident that it never uh, he never it was never really a, a thing which I actually kind of respect because yeah. my mum was like she never my parents never talked to me about race till till that day at primary school really when I went into the play park and this girl went you're the same colour as shit and that was the first time. Jesus that was how I switched course. on to race. It, I, and I was like, oh. I mean, she's right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but technically. That, but but in, they'd never mentioned yeah. it to me before Jesus. That. When you've got a black man and a, and a white dad, people can have at it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <With their> racism. <laughs> it's a bit of a smorgasbord of racism. Yeah. You can, like, you can pick, yeah, yeah, pick and choose. Yeah. Um, and it still happens. I did a... Uh, 
I have a joke about how I'm not accepted by, I'm not black enough to say certain things. I'm yeah. not white enough to say certain things. I mm. said the joke in the comic cup the other night and a black comic came up to me and was like, you can't say that. <laughs> I went, why not? She went, because you're not black enough. I was like, but that's the joke. <laughs> I was like, that's the joke. The joke is that I'm not black enough to say it. Yeah. And she went, but it's racist for you to say it. And I was like, no, it's a, I'm from both. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And because I'm this color, yeah. e both sides are like suspicious. <laughs> yeah, but, but do you think you have a bit more of a level, do you feel like, in kind of these sort of racial conversations, do you feel like you have like a more unique perspective because you feel like you truly understand both sides? I don't truly understand anything. I That's true. I That's a good point. <laughs> That's a great point. <laughs> I think I have experience yeah. of my upbringing, but that's all I have is my upbringing. You know, no, I'm your not, lived experience. Yeah, my truth. Okay. Don't don't knock it down. It's not just an upbringing. Like, it's a lived my, experience. Yeah, but my experience is black mum, white dad. That's very different to two black parents. It's very different to two white yeah. parents. Yeah. So no, I don't. But I I know enough to talk about what I want. I think I have a huge luxury on stage, which is that I can get away with things that other sides. Yeah, you've hit you you you've you've recently passed the record of saying the n word most on stage <laughs> of it. <laughs> I had a, it was a five minute set. Yeah. 11,000. Yeah, it was incredible. 11,000. It was a wild thing to see. I didn't know. I didn't even. It's like an auction host, you know, in like Texas with like yeah. speed talking. I wasn't even planning it. <laughs> I had a whole routine. It was a, it was a gong show and I didn't get buzzed <laughs> off. <laughs> Made the whole five minutes. Yeah, it was a gong show. I won, sorry, won the no, bottle of Pear Prosecco at the end of the night. <laughs> but yeah, it, it, it's just. You are quite, um, you are quite a unique person because not just because of the upbringing, but because you're like, you you grew up in Malaysia, mm -hmm. because why did you grow up in Malaysia? Apartheid. Because of apartheid. No, no, I don't. No. No, no, my dad was in the air force, so we moved around loads when I was a kid. So I actually was born in Lincoln, and then Jesus. then lived in the Shetlands when I was a kid on the what top of the Scotland, fuck? and then back to England. Then to is Malaysia. that why you're so like? It's hard to work out what you are is because you're like part Lincoln, part Malaysian, part Probably, Shetland. Yeah. That's cool. So, but how long did you live in Malaysia for? It's like Obama. Four or five years. Do you remember it? Yeah, man, vividly. Yeah, I remember the day we moved there. I remember getting on the plane. I gave a teddy bear to an air hostess. I remember that. How old are you? Were you flirting uh, then? Yeah. Like, you were flirting with service like, people then. And uh, I remember that, I remember getting there, getting the car, yeah. sleeping from the airport. Um, yeah, I remember the whole thing. I remember moving to, but I didn't know sort of. I didn't really appreciate how obviously didn't appreciate how lucky I was to have, you know, to grow up in a Muslim country on an air force base that's sort of a westernized kind of like an embassy. Yeah, how many people have that experience? Yeah, um, and it was weird, man. If I remember it correctly, the school was there was a fence down the middle of the school. Mm. One side was in, like basically English speaking, and the other side was Muslim. And they just separated the school. Muslim's not language, but go on, yeah. With it. <laughs> <laughs> what do they speak? <laughs> oh, probably something, something like Mus Muslimic or something. Okay, yeah. <laughs> and uh, and on one side was, yeah, the, the Muslim side of the school, yeah. and the other side was English speaking. And it was like, it was... I, it, that, well, there's a proper fence. I mean, that's insane. Now, yeah. if, if that happened in here, it would be insane. But when you're five years old, and it's the 90s, it just I it didn't really I didn't really clock. Did you enjoy Malaysia back then? Yeah, man, it was amazing. But I didn't know it was any different to yeah. Great Yarmouth. Like it, yeah, it didn't. Yeah. 
when you're five years old and your parents go, you know, not many people get to grow up in a in Malaysia in an air in an airbase. Yeah, yeah. Like I got to see some helicopters. Um, got to eat loads of different types of food. Like saw yeah. all the wet markets. I remember going to a wet market before the before it was cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Before it went really went mainstream viral. this year. Before it went yeah, they really had, yeah, wet markets really had their breakthrough album this year, didn't they? I don't know what a wet market was before this. So. And uh, I remember seeing a wet market because we used to buy rabbits. We used to do pangolins. <laughs> like our our house, our house was on the edge of this air force base. Yeah, and uh, it was our back garden, which was like the back garden of this house. People can't see this. This isn't a, a studio. As yeah, much they, as yeah, this looks know. like, yeah, my bed's just there. It's right there, and yeah. he was in his pants before we started yeah. filming. So, hundred percent. Um, but it was a normal back garden, but then just rainforest, like miles and miles of rainforest. That's amazing. And so we had like scorpions in the back garden, and like you know, I had to, I remember I remember treading on a scorpion before I went to bed when I was like wow. six years old, and not really th- thinking that that was crazy. Yeah, just because yeah. But we used to get monkeys in the in the garden. As okay. Well. Um and. Uh, we, I had a pet rabbit called Jackson because I love Michael Jackson, right? And um, and uh, you, we'd buy the, the rabbits literally from a, a dude in a shack at the side of the airport. Mm-hmm. We'd drive, and it was like exciting. It was like going to McDonald's. We'd pick, what, to get by the rabbits? Well, we'd go, we'd, ha- we'd drop a friend off at the airport and I'd be really excited because I'd be like, oh, we get to drive past the rabbit man. Sure, sure, yeah. But he'd like have a hutch of rabbits and then on top of that was like cats yeah. and then on top of that was bats. <laughs> And then on top of that was just his lunch, which was raw. It was just bats as well. And we'd buy rabbits and he'd be like, and he'd throw it in a bag. Oh my God. And then we'd take the rabbit home and And put it in a bag. There's like two for one deals. I'll give you a bat, two cats and a rabbit. Three for four. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and then rabbits, the monkeys in the gun ate my rabbit while I was at school. Nightmare. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's an absolute nightmare. And uh, so I bought another rabbit called Spike. Yeah. And uh, he wasn't called Spike. I named him Spike. Yeah, yeah. And then... <laughs> and What's then, your name like? Spike, cool. <laughs> yeah. I remember And that. then the monkeys um, uh, ate him as well. Really? Yeah. Yeah, monkeys also are brutal when they eat things. Because they're not like... I feel like like wolves and dogs and there's like a go for the neck and break it. But yeah. monkeys kind of like... There's there's a sadistic pain giving thing. So they are... Monkeys are capable of revenge. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. I used to have a catapult and I would shoot marbles at them. Which I'm not proud of now, but I was five. Five, don't worry. And there was, it was. It, you literally can't do it. It wasn't like five. they were. Oh, there's monkeys, aren't they? Beautiful? I'd love like, to cancel you for something you did when you were five. That would be great if we start canceling <laughs> canceling people for like five year old. <laughs> and uh, but it wasn't a fit. It was just they were just they were like it was like pigeons. They were just vermin in the back garden. Yeah. And there was a leader of the monkeys who had one arm. Wow. Yeah. And there were all these rumours about how the monkey got one arm. Shit, this sounds like a biker gang. Almost. Yeah, like Nam, like a Nam <laughs> like general a that was back. <laughs> and it's like, I've seen some things. It was like... so then, But then that, was a, that wasn't weird. What was weird was moving to bumfuck nowhere after that. And you moved to, you moved to Suffolk was, after, after Malaysia. You know when someone goes, well, we, we drove to France. And actually, when you drive on the right, hand side of the road it's not that weird what's weird is when you come back to England and you have to learn to drive on the left again yeah. it, it was like that yeah it was like moving there wasn't weird coming back was fucking crazy yeah there was no monkeys in the garden no monkeys and then going to primary school and I was like oh everyone here is white yeah because I went to school with one black person out of a thousand kids 
there's a thousand people at my school and one of them was black and the rest of us are white and i had this one realization when i was sitting in uh, assembly but i was like i'm just trying to imagine what if i was what if everyone was black and i was only the only white person there because mm. i'd never really thought about it like that it must have been it would be absolutely it's literally like you're highlighted as just standing out yeah and the thing is is when you're that age you don't notice it when i look back on it now I, I i remember being having experiences and going oh that teacher was fucking racist that was fuck that was that yeah, was yeah, blind yeah. racism yeah. that because i was a child I didn't know yeah, 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 yeah. that what I was being punished for was, I mean, also I was a cocky little shit as well. So it's hard to differentiate sometimes. It surprised me. Um, and, uh, <laughs> and you know, so at that point you don't know, I didn't really notice no. that I was, although when I think about it now, all my friends when I was at school were all from a different ethnicity. Really? I had like one, white friend in my year at school. Oh, really? And it, it was all like the Chinese kids and the black kids and the white kids. But that was only, it only really started, when I went to my first school, primary school, I was yeah. the only non-white person in the school. And then different ethnicities started coming in and you started creating. As, no, I went to a different place for high school, basically. Okay. Yeah. And that's when it was a bit more, uh, but I remember in a school assembly, when I was about 11, the teacher went, um, he went, oh, we're having our first Chinese students joining us next term. And so we're very much looking forward to uh, people coming over from, from Hong Kong and China mm. and, and being part of the school. And he took a pause and then he just went, so we'll be doing lots of Hong Ping Pang and just started doing fake. And it, he got a huge laugh. <laughs> he got a huge laugh. And I didn't laugh. I was like, I just knew it was horrible. And but, but because everyone laughed, he paused and then went, and just kept doing it because it, it, it was killing. Like he was, <laughs> he was killing. Was he murdering? Eleven years old. He's like, so we'll have more. And then started doing the eyes. And then he noticed that I wasn't laughing. And he went, "Well, what's the matter with you?" Well, like, like, like you're a comic at a gig, and you notice that one person not laughing. It just pisses you off. You have to try and work, break them down slowly. Fuck me. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, that is wild. And do you think that's why? That, um, is, that is boys gone wild. That is boys. He's a boy gone wild. I can, yeah, I don't know what that sound effect is. Oh, so you be. can play it. You can do a little okay. post-production. I, I might put embarrassing photos of you every time you do that. So, Great. Yeah, I, did, I, my, I don't know. I don't from know. my uh, music. Yeah, because th this, this explains a lot about you in the fact that you, so you've, you're bumfuck nowhere, a quite, quite prejudiced um, rural part of the country. Yeah. And then you... Um, Kid with a, a big ego, big ambitions. Uh, I'm too big for this town. You come to London, and to stand out, you choose to have your hair like Marge Simpson. Yeah, and do you think that was part of the reason why that aesthetic choice happened? Was because you were trying to stand, trying to really reinforce that you're no longer Suffolk. Uh, yeah, maybe. I don't. For me, it was more. In sixth form college, I, was, I read this play called Fen. Yeah, I think it was Carol Churchill, and um, and in the book, there's a scene where a girl—it's like a small town in the Fens, which for all the viewers from abroad, um, that's a place in England. Um, 
I don't know. That's all I know you about it. it. You yeah, smashed great. it. Don't worry. Uh, an area, a <laughs> district, yeah, no, you got it. You a got county. It. You got it. Once again, they doesn't. They really don't care. Just yeah. as long as words come out your mouth, they're, they're exactly. Happy. Yeah, just keep watching you Deviant. pigs. Um, and uh, there's a scene where she goes, if you, she was being chastised for being like kind of a punky, grimy kid and she went if you dye your hair green in this village everyone talks about it if you dye your hair green in london nobody cares and i remember reading that and going fuck i need to move to london because i always felt like anything i did everyone would talk about it yeah. you know just get the piss taken out of me all, yeah, all yeah, the yeah. time and i thought well i'll move to london and when i got to london i was like i can literally do anything yeah and nobody fucking cares so what i did was that which mm. in retrospect i mean huge error in judgment yeah, but it's a formative, a formative mistake. Yeah, but I was in my 20s and I was so happy to be invisible. This is, this is the thing, is um, I, though I grew up in London, I've lived most of my life in Sussex, which is, I don't think as, um, it's still a bit more metropolitan yeah, than for Suffolk. The, for the viewers in America, that's the Hamptons. That's the Hamptons, yeah. So, <laughs> um, but in, coming from the country, from a small town to, the, to London, I think one of my favourite things here is that just no one knows there's the anonymity of walking around a big city. It's amazing. Like, you just go into shops and go about your daily life. Uh, there is a you lose a sense of community. Is in you don't know everyone's daughter and you don't everyone. Not everyone cares and knows about you. But I quite like that no one cares about you. That you can go into a random shop, buy dildos and screwdrivers, and it's not going to get back to your grandma. Sorry, it went a bit specific then. Didn't yeah. <laughs> you don't know everyone's daughter. Also, that's another great thing about London is that there is, even in the pandemic and lots of businesses closing, the screwdriver dildo store. Still managed to keep going. Prospering. Surprising. If there's, if there's two things people need while they're locked in their house. Yeah, you need the, the dildo, they need a screwdriver to really get it in there. Well, there is a community here. Like, There's a really strong community where I live. And also, we both live in East London. Yeah, I'm new and, here. Yeah, and there, but I feel because I've been here for eight years, there's a real stronghold around the streets that I live on. Yeah, but beyond those streets, it's it is just. I mean, it, it's quite weird walking around London in 2020. I feel like you're walking around a sort of wasteland. Like I don't feel like I've lived in London this year. No. It, when everything feels like a threat. Yeah. I know that. Like I take the the virus thing quite. You take it very seriously. seriously. Yeah. So I um. But it, there's something amazing about... Because um, it, it pissed me off a little... I don't know what... I feel bad, but it did... It pissed me off a tiny bit when I found out that you weren't high risk. Because <laughs> I, I, I thought you were... I assumed that... Because Josh um, uh, wouldn't see friends, uh, would like... Uh, if you saw you, you weren't allowed to like... You had to stay like six metres apart. Uh, he was hand sanitising... Uh, Beer glasses, napkins. Like you were, you're going more than anyone I know over the top. Um, and I was like, okay, look, he's clearly high risk, uh, and he's trying to protect his own life. But you're not even high risk. Well, no, I mean, I'm. Um, so that's we're more high risk, apparently. Really? Yeah. Yeah, but not that much more high risk, is it? No, but also it's 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 also just you. All you're saying, all I did was what they told us to do. Yeah. I just, I just thought it was a bit. Like he was, there was something. There, I think it was. Oh, it was he there went, was he, something to me. I, I felt like you were being a bit narcissistic. He went mental when, yeah. the, when all these. I think when I the hundreds what, of thousands of people started dying. Yeah. He started washing his hands loads and keeping a distance, doing exactly what 
the I think, World I Health Organization thing, told him to do. Because you, you, he you, wouldn't you're even young, come to my house party. You're young, you're young and healthy, so you're not a risk. And the thing that uh, I think the thing that annoyed me was that there was a certain level of there's a certain level of narcissism thinking that your life ma- matters that much. <laughs> And that sort of ground my gears a little bit. Was it's more like really making sure you don't die? I was like, you know. okay, just just, <laughs> just as a counterbalance to sure. that argument. <laughs> I remember last year when I flew to Miami. Yeah. I text. I was talking. No, we. I think we had a beer, and I went. I, I hate flying. I've got some Valium. I have a, yeah. like, a prescription for. <laughs> and I went. I'm. T- I just. And, he, and you went. What is it that scares you about flying? And I went. The plane crashing, and you went. The idea that you think the plane you're on is going to crash—it's <laughs> true—is so arrogant. It's you so use the arrogant. Word arrogant. It pisses me off to describe a fear of flying. <laughs> a fear of flying is a rational fear. No, it's irrational. No, the statistics make it irrational. Yeah, but not wanting to be in a rocket three miles in the air when you know that every airline is fucked is completely—they're cutting every corner that they possibly can, mm. all of them, just so they can make more and more money. Of course, it's rational to be scared of being in a explosive petrol-fueled bomb in the sky. Makes total sense. Yeah, I... EasyJet, how is it possible that you can pay 11 quid to go in the air and feel safe? Yeah, I'm more like... I know this is completely true. It is mental that we even invented flying, and it's crazy how few planes crash. Considering that's completely fair, but I'm almost like um, it's so unlikely that it will crash. If mine does crash, fair enough. There is no way. I just I I I accept the risk when I walk on board, and then that's done. I yeah, but I can't. No, because my sister has the exact. My sister has. If I sit with my sister, she'll like be. I've I fully understand fear of flying. My sister has it terribly, and mm. she flies so much. But she is very arrogant. She and she—it's because of it comes from a certain narcissism and individualism, which thinks <laughs> there is no way that everyone who builds every airplane was on it no. the day that they did the building. Yeah. There's no way; it's yeah. impossible. So, what do you think that uh, that one couple of screws might be a little bit loose? <laughs> yeah, there's the one guy yeah. who's putting the screws in. <laughs> And then his wife calls him and they have an argument yeah, yeah. and he forgets one screw. He forgets screw. his one screw. Um, and you think that that thing will be your undoing eventually. Yeah, because whenever a plane crashes, the, the report, firstly, firstly, the fact that whenever a plane crashes, every airline goes, Meh! they go, what about those Malaysian airline flights? They're like, yeah, we don't know. It's been four, five, eight years and they don't know. That's how... That is mental. That No, those mental. ones are all mental. And also... 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 Sorry. Also, um, you know when the, those people shot down a plane over Ukraine? Yeah, the, the Malaysian Airlines. Yeah. We kind of just let that slide. Right. Do you know Malaysian what I mean? Like, you can't just do that, lads. In the space that of... That is fucking mental. In the space of three months, Malaysian Airlines killed 400 people. And everyone went, well, that's business. Like, no, <laughs> they're still in business. If you ran a restaurant and four hundred people died, I mean, I mean, the the, the, the second one, I think it's on shit. It, it wasn't their fault they got shot down. It is their fault Fly. they got shot down. Okay. Fly a different way. But, yeah, but when I walk home at night, there are certain roads I don't yeah, go yeah, down. Yeah, yeah, Fly yeah. a different fucking way. But it but was. You know it is mental. You're bringing this up. It is mental. Someone shot down that plane. Who was it? And the no other one, one cares. The other like, one. Someone shot it down. I can't. And because he thought it was a different plane. And also, that's not all right. Mistake. He was, literally, they were like, oh, we thought it was a different plane. You don't get like a free, oh, sorry, it's all right. You just killed 400 people just, and ruined their family's lives. And he's like, <laughs> oh, shit. 
that wasn't the fighter jet, was it? You can, listen, you can hear this. That's more than one scream. Not, it's mental. It's absolutely bananas. And also, I don't understand how we live in an age where you can, right now, you can FaceTime someone in in the anywhere in the world. I was you gonna name say, a country. I was going to say the Congo, but then, I, <laughs> but then I thought, is that still a place? Because I don't really know geography. Yeah. Is that still a but place? The Dem- Democratic Republic of Congo is one place, and then um, something, another Congo. See, he's read a book, yes. um, and uh, I have not. And but. The idea that you can, there's all this technology now. It's like you, we're like, we're putting a mobile phone network on the moon. But when a plane crashes, they're like, well, there's this one little lunchbox inside the airplane that has everything that yeah. happened. Yeah. It's because they have the technology to, this is going a bit Joe Rogan. That's no, fine. It? This but is they, exactly what I want. They must have the technology I'm, to I'm record, clicks, to remotely not... record everything that happens on an airline flight, right? Mm. But they're covered... St- store it in a cloud server or something. Yeah, but yeah. because of insurance purposes, they're keeping it on like... It's like a fucking reel-to-reel tape. Yeah, it's weird. It's very 90s. And they're like, well, it gives that a beacon. Oh, that's good. So when it crashes, we'll know where it is. Yeah, for two days. Oh, great. Well, what is that? Yeah, How yeah, is that yeah, possible? Yeah, yeah. You've, you've, got, you've done the most insane achievement in human history, which is flight. And then you have like rudimentary technologies uh, because they because Because it's they know... That if they if they reveal because it's never the engines fell off, it's always like well the pilot was depressed. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> they're making horrible employment choices. Yeah, because it's all, it's never that their uh, it, it, like technology was bad. It's no. always that their personnel. Or it's one screw. It's like oh the one and and it's that. Oh yeah, or the wangle dock, or they'll make up something. Yeah, yeah, or yeah. the wangle dock was less tight than the fringle thought. You know, like, there was that Portuguese flight in ninety two where they, um, they the the pitot tubes, which are the the they have three pitot tubes on an airplane, which are, all which, sounds made up. Go which are the um which detect the clouds, yeah. right? So you can see where where you're flying basically. Mm. And in maintenance of the airplane, when they uh, fixing things, they'll cover it. And they cover it in a silver or yellow or orange duct tape, yeah. so that you can't. So you that when you you can see it basically, you can take it off, right? And they, in this one airfield in like Portugal or whatever, they they'd forgot or they'd run out of colourful duct tape, so they used white duct tape, which was the same colour as the aeroplane, right? So when the pilot every before every flight, flight, the pilot and the co-pilot do a walk around, which is when they they walk around the aeroplane before yeah. the, before takeoff, and they inspect everything, and they go, all right, this is great, let's fly. And, um, but because of the white duct tape, they couldn't see that two of the pitot tubes were covered and they just flew off and couldn't see where they were going. And basically they flew heavily into a storm and then they saw on the radar, they were like, oh, we can go that way. And they just flew into a bigger storm and everyone died. And then there's another story of pitot tubes going, uh, not working where the airplane, they couldn't see how high up they were flying. The yeah. altitude, uh, maybe what not pitot tubes, but the altitude thing dial broke. No. And they went, oh, okay, well, we can't see how high we are. So let's just turn left and see where we can go. And they crashed. The reason they crashed is because they were so close to the ocean. In turning left, the wing went in the water. And cr- and I can't remember what flight that was. They should have looked out the window. <laughs> it was dark. It oh, would have been dark. amazing if it was daytime. <laughs> Don't patronize me. <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy. Like, that's insane that that shit's still happening. So it's I think airplane. But I don't think it is insane. 
Because I'll just say the amount of flights a day are there's so many. We're back before COVID. The amounts of flights, you know, well, you know, you're the guy who's obsessed. So this is actually the true sadness. Is your probably your biggest obsession and nerding thing? Can I? Yeah, and how it's and think about how Looks, complex that technology is. Yeah, landing and running. It's amazing how few planes crash. Yeah, um, but you're obsessed. So you've got a plane tracker app. Um, you have often tried to bring in plain talk to our conversations that I've managed to shut down at every possible opportunity. Um, you love planes. That's your big... Mm. Most books you've recommended me have been to do with planes. Uh, you, uh, Before we sat down when I was in my underwear, uh, you had a call from your dad and he was t t t talking to you about a plane, wasn't Basically he? Basically the word active runway was yeah, said yeah, in, yeah, yeah. In, a, in a two minute phone <laughs> yeah, call. Yeah, yeah. 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 Hey dad, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, cool, active run, yeah. Um, and you have a terrifying fear of them. That, yeah. is, that is a quite a wild thing. Yeah, it kind of makes sense, right? Well, because you know planes so well, you know the risks. Well, it, no, I just, I think they're beautiful. Your dad was, your dad was a pilot. No, 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 no. Uh, a medic. Medic okay, turned, okay, yeah. he's now, he now identifies dead bodies. Okay, cool, cool. Um, this is where the neurosis comes from, I assume. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I know, I just think that, I think planes are cool. But they're crazy. I think that makes sense. That, no, it's just a very funny thing about your biggest passion is planes and you're terrified of them. Of being on them. Yeah. Being in them. Like um, Andrew, my co-host, uh, is obsessed with sharks but is terrified of sharks. I think it's probably the same yeah, thing. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's intimidating uh, talking to someone you find attractive. Is that the same thing? Maybe. But you, you're, you're, it's more like it's intimidating because you're nervous and excited you're not nervous and excited when you get on a plane no no <laughs> just no, no, no. straight on fearing for your life yeah but what I don't know what they're so do you know more about the protocol of when a plane's going down tell me if this is too triggering genuinely uh, when a plane's going down uh, over the tannoy at what point because you the, the, you need to keep everyone calm so you've got to pretend like everything's going alright then there's going to have to be that one point where it's clear it's not going to be all right. It's it's that old test I think where you, if you look at the air steward, the yeah. cabin crew, yeah, it's kind of in their face. Yeah. If you see terror, but are, are they all the way down? Are they going like they are and the just uh, do up your seatbelt and you know all the way down? Oh, am I in a crash? Yeah, you're you're going down. Yeah, because it, it's normally like we're, oh, we're, we're, we're reaching some turbulence. Don't worry, if everyone can sit down and then sit, you got to do that. But at one point, they'd just be like, "Oh my fucking well, god!" They wouldn't have the tannoy. The tannoy. They wouldn't have the speaker, the speaker system on yeah. for that, would they? It no. would that that you'd be you'd be looking around at other people. Okay. It's when the person doing the crossword that's been on a thousand flights yeah. can't do it anymore. Yeah. And they start doing this. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That. Yeah, yeah. Or like speaking a different language and kissing across. Yeah. yeah. That's when you know you're fucked. Yeah. Um, and the cabin crew are like, they're so road hardened. Like the cabin crew used to be a really amazing job. So if you did a long haul flight, you'd have like a five day stay. Mm, so if you all over the world. If you yeah. flew to like the Caribbean, yeah. they'd keep you there five days so your body could adjust. Now they just treat them like cattle. Yeah. And it used to be quite a high paid job. Yeah, because well, it was just so expensive to do. It was such a luxury to fly. Yeah. Yeah. And now we fucked it. Yeah. Well, the, 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 I well we we fucked it in ways because it's like cheap flights have, are destroying the environment really quickly, mm -hmm. but they've also meant that. 
people from less privileged backgrounds can travel. So it's a real. Yeah, but you. I always thought travel would broaden the mind, but everyone's. <laughs> That's true. Everyone's that, traveling. That the, is tra- the world's more racist than ever. So <laughs> let's lock it down. That's let's such lock a good point. it <laughs> yeah, down. Because it's like, it, it's a shame that people from underprivileged backgrounds have never got the opportunity to see the world and maybe that informs maybe some more prejudicial uh, views but it's just made it worse I just think maybe we should limit where people can go if they're like if you were like really Magaluf again no yeah and just send them to India yeah send them yeah they, they have and to and not tell them yeah, yeah just put them on a flight yeah, yeah. and then the, the bankers that are going to Switzerland Send them, you know, on a hiking trail through the right. pr- in Peru. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. the person that wants to go find themselves in Machu Picchu, Disneyland, Mag- Disneyland. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think that's how we do. We that's switch how- it around. Yeah, because tra- so middle class people are less tedious and there's less prejudice. Yes. Yeah. Travel broadens the mind, but being able to choose where you travel to does not broaden anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think. Yeah, um, that is a great point. Um, but to 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 take it off planes. Uh, for uh, for a second, sure. um, you, you were as I don't know if anyone listening knows or cares, but um, you were you came to London. Did you come to London to be part of a band? No, I came to London as a to be a musician. Okay, and, yeah, and, yeah, I, and I um I did that for twelve years. That's a long slog. Yeah, and um, failed quite hard. Yeah, uh, and um, then started doing comedy. I mean, yeah, because when we met, we we sort of like we were like dating almost, because like uh, I was single at the time, and we sort of would meet, we'd go on dates, you know, like our, that's how our relationship would sort of work. We'd had like these kind of like quite like rom commy style like walk and talks, go for drinks and stuff, um, and I slowly started. What I could, I wouldn't believe that you were you'd failed as a musician because it, it it was clear to me from the outside it looked you'd played the royal albert hall uh your uh were friends with a lot of incredibly successful musicians you that th- you had a fan base to a certain extent you'd done you'd done you'd achieved certain things that to me seemed well but now the more i've time i've spent with you the more i've realized how I did fail. How you you did fail. Well, it's more so how it's just going through doing comedy um, and someone... Yeah, this is it. It's more as somebody might be impressed with something I've done comedically, which if you're in the industry will know means nothing. And that's what I started realising is what probably happened with you. Does that make sense? Uh, is it a question? Uh, no, it's more just like a thought that I'm throwing for you to catch. Um, yeah, I, um, I think when you look at the bullet points of 12 years in music, it looks like I did a lot. Yeah. But when you stretch that out over 12 years, (laughs) 12 years is a long time. Yeah. And, um, in that course of, yeah, so like signing, I signed to Universal, I made a yeah stuff like that. That's what I mean. Producer in France. And there's means like, why do you keep saying you failed as a musician? Yeah. And then, yeah. Uh, you know, did a bunch of stuff on telly and, you know, never really got the big push, which is when a record label... But you were in the conversation for a little bit. Uh, I was outside the bubble. I was never really in a scene. Like, I came up with a bunch of bands. When when I moved to London, the the circuit of people that now people just look at as... Like? Well, like, you know, um, on a lineup one Mm. night, it would be like Adele, uh, 
Phillips, um, Florence, yeah. Mumford and Sons. And those are just your colleagues at the time. Well, no, well, the just thing your is, peers. it's almost, it's exactly the same as any performance. Any Anyone who's doing this, who does, who wants to be a performer, mm. um, when everything's open or if they've been doing it prior, is like, you'll do, if you're serious about what you do, you do it every night of the week. Sure. And, and that's just, that's, you're trying to learn how to be good. If, especially if you're not good. Some people are born with a talent. Like I've seen musicians and comedians, and comedians yeah. who stand up on a stage and they just, just have got it. it. They just have it, yeah. You know? And then there are people who don't but have to learn how to do it. Yeah, I have to spend a lot and, of time. But they're committed. Even though committed. they are in their bones, then they know they're not funny. Yeah. But they try. Weekly. Weekly podcast. <clears throat> every um, week. And uh, <laughs> Friday, 9.30 a.m. And um, they, you would see you know five nights let's say you're gigging six nights a week and there's five bands on the bill every night by process of elimination some of them are going to become massive yeah so it wasn't unheard of to do a gig and it was like oh who's that it's Adele and you don't watch it and then all of a sudden it's, it's Adele or like yeah. Amy Winehouse or um, or all those people it was like it was a circuit and, and some of those people have gone on you know and also they've gone on to start new bands since mm. and um, and then they'd rebrand what they did and then the second project they go oh it's called this now and then yeah. within three months it's massive mm. so that's what i did but it still failed because <laughs> you're a um, i was looking at like the vaccines and being mm. like fuck man justin just started a band and it worked or, or my you know other guy he made mine signed to 4ad when he rebranded his thing and mm. i was like oh i'll just stop doing what i'm doing and i'll start a band and then mm. and then, then that first so you fell into still good. wasn't very good because <laughs> <laughs> one of my favorite facts because i i like hearing these stories because it's like you when you were like coming up the most was at quite a funny time which is like the recent past like 10 years ago so a lot of these names are like quite nostalgic for me like you seen you told me that you've seen Mumford and Sons perform over 40 times way more really yeah how many rate ballpark how many times have you seen Mumford and Sons perform well, it's only because one of like one of them is my best friend. Ballpark. I don't. The context makes so it less the context funny. is the context not, makes no, no, it the context less is fun. really important because I'm not going. No context makes it less funny. Standing outside the venue. How many? Just for, for me. Can I you go just because say, there's a free no, just, bar. No, no, no. <laughs> just for me. Can you tell me ballpark? I don't know, maybe. F uh, the thing is, is I can't. In 2008, I don't know how many times we gig together. Yeah. So maybe a hundred. Yeah. See that's when you when you're talking about things that sound quite white about you seeing Mumford and Sons perform over a hundred times is one of the, it's just one of my favourite bits of trivia about you is that you've seen Mumford and Sons perform it's incredibly over incredibly Caucasian that statistic isn't it because I've only seen Dizzy Rascal once my mum's and he was opening but... for Mumford and Sons <laughs> so um. Um, but what I've I've appreciated about our friendship over the last year or so um, is because you've had this twelve years of failure in an art form which is not too dissimilar from comedy in many ways. You do have a lot of insight in failure, which has been quite helpful for me starting out comedy, and certainly um, people my age starting out in comedy, you've helped me realize some of the pitfalls that people make going into one of these industries. 
Yeah, you know? and also the stuff that people get wrapped up in. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Yeah, that's been helpful for and me. And that's for a really, sure. when, when people are like, oh my God, this person's saying this, you're like, yeah, it doesn't matter. That, that, as you do more of what you do, the people who aren't very good burn off. People aren't very good burn off. You're, it's also that if you get approached by an agent early on, it doesn't really mean anything unless you can do use it well. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah, like I, I made a five-year plan that was like, after five years, I want to get an agent and that was my plan. Yeah. So when a few agents started knocking and they weren't, I was like, I, I, I've, do, I've done the bad deals. Yeah. I've been screwed over by producers. Because you wait till you got a good agent, basically. Yeah, also, I made a list. Like my friend's uh, girlfriend got dropped by her acting agent recently and I... As a consolation, I sent her a list of every single person that's dropped me. And it was like 25 people. 25. I've had like, as a musician, throughout that, like seven or eight managers, four or five booking agents. You got dropped by Universal. But I signed to Universal within a year. I was working in a toy shop after after signing to them. Like there was a lot of rejection. A lot of rejection. And in my heart of hearts, like everything I've ever done that's had any... Uh, connection has been jokes and when I think about it all of it has been jokes fucking around on stage as a musician I remember when we played the Royal Albert Hall we're opening for Leanne Le Havas right this was in my punk band mm. and I walked into the stage and it's this the Royal Albert Hall is a circle right mm. the whole venue is a circle so you walk through this sort of semicircle backstage and there's two tunnels onto the stage and you see one, it's one of the most beautiful sights in the world is this if you want to be a performer um, and you see the 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 circle of this mm. like beautiful historic building mm. and as you walk down the tunnels there's like they really shouldn't do this there's like Ella Fitzgerald Frank Sinatra Ray Charles <laughs> Led Zeppelin <laughs> uh, and, and you're like this is uh, I'm not I can't compete at this yeah. level but I remember walking through that tunnel to play a music gig and all I could think was, I can't wait to tell some jokes in between the songs. Really? And that was the moment. Did you tell any, did you make any topical references about the, the venue? Uh, yeah, I said it was a horrific choice for Leanne to have us to pick a punk band to open for her. That's and funny. it got a big laugh and it made the room relax. And Yeah, and then, uh, and then they didn't enjoy the news. <laughs> <laughs> walked out, yeah, 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 yeah. Did they actually? Yeah, hundreds. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We got paid, uh, guess how much we got paid to open for Leanne at the Royal Albert Hall? Uh, 200? 150 quid. Five, I went super low five thousand people, and I have an email. I I I want to get it framed one day. So I, we got the offer from her agent, and then our agent went back and was like, he went, it's a hundred and fifty quid to open for her, and maybe it was a hundred quid. And that's I, like a, that's like a shitty gig. That's like a that's like a club weekend gig in comedy. That's fucking ridiculous. I made more money in comedy in my first year in comedy. I made more money in my first year than I did in my last year in music. Oh Jesus! Uh, which does which isn't to say there's loads of money in comedy. No, there's, no, no, there's no. none. I've seen I've seen your your, your Spotify um, uh, earnings are hilarious. Yeah, it's pretty good. What was it you said? Show me. Tell you, I got paid the other day. You um, got paid so because but so sorry. Uh, yeah, her agent. I've got the email still that where I, I said to her, her our agent. I went. Can you just go back? And say, can we have a thousand pounds? Because it's twenty five, thirty five quid a ticket, five thousand seats. It's sold out. They can spare a grand. And I have an email from her agent saying, and it just says, "Do you know how many people want to do this gig?" And that was it. That was all we got back. And that's that's what that's what that's the that's the what not being an artist. That's why it's so easy not to pay artists and comedians as well. Um, I don't want to. <coughs> I'm not going to show my twenty seven pounds eighty four pence this yeah. year. This year, twenty seven eighty four. But it's all mate. It's all great. Like I'm in the job that I'm like I'm very much a student of comedy I'm not a 
I'm not a finished product. It's going to take me a long time to be mm. as good as I want to be. And I'm in no hurry to be great, but I, I have every confidence I can be. Well, that's why you're progressing faster than people who are in a hurry, in my opinion. Because I think um, certainly something that I, when I started out, I had so much, I put so much pressure on myself to like, when I'm 20, 22, I've got to be this prodigy. I've got to, and now I'm so much better because I've accepted that I don't mind being shit for 10 years. I don't mind as long yeah. as I'm building. And like seeing acts with the raw talent shoot up really early, really young, uh, become mainstream, become pigeonholed, and then uh, sort of become worse comedians. It does seem, yeah. in my experience, the funniest comedians, there's obviously exceptions. There's some people who are just brilliant from start to finish. In my experience, the funniest comedians, the ones who struggle for 10 years, had to get unbelievably good and then made it. Yeah. Is what I've noticed, for sure. I think that after 12 years of you trying a comedy, when you start a punk band. Yeah. <laughs> but what 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 art form are you going to do after Next. comedy? Yeah. After I fail at comedy. <laughs> I'm going to go to Gouliot. Yeah. <laughs> and do clowning. Oh, God. Do get, yeah. Okay, here's what's left. Spend DJ. 10K for t a week's course at Gone. Uh, influencer lifestyle. Yeah. Anything for any Magic. Anything famous. Magic. No, not enough fame in that. No. You uh, just need fame. That's the thing. So, rock star. Done. Tick. That's off. Yeah, done. That one. Comedian's done. Comedian, that's like the next level of rock star. <laughs> what's the next level of rock star? You have to take DJ. it down. It has to be DJ. Yeah. Yeah. Wedding. Um, great. Yeah. Um, TV host. You'd be a good TV host, I can see, yeah. for sure. I'm quite up for it. I never, I didn't think I'd do want to do something like that. If it was mm. the right thing, something yeah. I like, I'd host an airplane show. What, being terrified, constantly, <laughs> constantly interviewing pilots? Like, that would be the, a great how show. How the fuck do you do that, you You just maniac. stick a GoPro <laughs> on people who hate flying. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I don't know, yeah, comedy. Mm. I like it. It's my favourite. It's the best thing I've ever done. Do you think? Yeah, man, I love it. I like it, and I know I'm good at it. Yeah. But I also know I'm shit at it. Yeah, and that's the two things that you need to know. Yeah. So you need to have confidence that you're good at it, and also a self-awareness that you are shit at it as mm. well. But I do think failing is really... Like, everyone... Whenever I talk about it now, people go, oh, no, come on, mate. You didn't fail. You had yeah. all those wonderful experiences. That's what I was like And before. it's like, yeah, but being 30 and making £6.50 an hour, you, you don't... And you do start looking at your life as something of a failure. Mm. So, like... I don't, but it's, it's, it's how loaded you see the word failure. Yeah. Either you take it as loss or you take it as experience. Yeah. And I think that f failing's fine. Yeah, that's Because it just lead to what you want to do. I think it has made you a lot better. You know, I don't, do you think we would have got on if you were my age? Like if you were t 23, do you uh, think? What, and you were 11? And I was. <laughs> Is the age gap. No. Still I was there. the same age. I just don't. I wonder. I don't know if part of the reason why we get on so well is because you've had failure. We get along great in like up to four people. Yeah. But you had a house pie pre lockdown. Had yeah. a house pie. And yeah. were like, do you want to come? And I was like, no, of course I don't want to. You're all in early 20s. Yeah. That's creepy. Yeah. It's I'm, I, it would be. It's, I appreciate the invite. I'd yeah. have been insulted if you didn't invite sure, me. Sure, sure, sure. Because sure. I like to be included. So now do you want me to invite you? And we both know you're not going to come, but just put it out there. Yeah, it's yeah. nice to know. I like the appreciate. But all, but that would be. Do you like, want to come hang out with me and other 22 year olds? Yeah, it'd be like you shit. going to a 12 year old's birthday party <laughs> in that context. <laughs> I don't want to come and do. 
those fucking balloon things. <laughs> Everyone's got a USB vape. Everyone and, and people are actually legit talking about Nietzsche and Joe Rogan. Like I don't fuck. I don't care. I've done. I don't need to hear that. You've done that. You've oh, yeah, done Kanye, that. Kanye, Kanye, no, he's actually <laughs> like people think it's crazy, but no, I just show them what is this. <laughs> Someone sent me a. You just want to get in your use your use a trouser pet press and then go to fucking. That's sleep. this year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want Caramel to drink, tea, trouser press. No, I want to drink a bottle of wine alone <laughs> and listen to the Beach Boys. Yeah, then that's maybe it. Put a rom com on and snuggle up. Yeah, or like a scary film. That's what I want yeah. to do. Yeah, I want to go do the gig mm-hmm. and then come home. Mm-hmm. Not stay out, do nos and talk. No, I happily go out after a gig. Not at the moment, yeah. but only if it's. I don't want to go to the thing that everyone's at and everyone stays out till four a.m. on a Tuesday. Yeah, that's not what I want to do. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll go I, if I can have a beer and communicate with you. Yeah. That's a perfect night. Yeah, yeah. But as soon as you throw in, like everyone's like, "Oh yeah, do you see Dave? Who's, uh, <laughs> oh mate, Skepta." I'm like, "Okay, great. They're yeah, great, yeah, but yeah. I don't. Let's not." do coke and talk mm, about it yeah yeah um <laughs> no i i do i do great um <laughs> i also it's something that i think i'm starting to realize especially out of corona i think something that why we um spent a bit more time together is that we both i liked how we both uh openly love doing stand-up because i want a, a pet peeve of mine on the circuit at our level is that so many people just generally they they're so like um pissed off to be doing stand-up it seems like there's a genuine there's like a oh do i have to like traveling for a gig or like oh do i have to do this like there's a real and i I hope now that we've had coronavirus uh and when stand-up comes back i do hope there's a bit more of a gratefulness to what we're able to do and I, that, I, I certainly, I, I, I think there will be, but I think it will be because the people who weren't serious about it aren't going to do it anymore. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah, so apparently, it's just like if you're going to complain about doing a gig, then don't fucking do it. Do you know what I mean? It's, mm-hmm. it's a privilege to do it in some ways. Also, like I've done um, enough touring in enough horrible countries mm. where you're doing. Like I remember doing a tour in America where we did. Over the course of one summer, we did like 56 gigs. Was this the Vans Warp Tour yeah, thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, the longest run without a day off was 12 shows without a day off. 12 shows in, in a row, which doesn't sound like a lot for comedy because you just get up and you say, but when it's 40 degree heat, you're playing. And you're punk rocking. Outside, yeah. Head bashing. Like, I, yeah, I fainted. Worshipping the devil. Yeah, man, just like. <laughs> Recording hidden secret backwards messages. Grandma. You know, rock punk shit. I didn't know, know you like punk. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. That's Cut off my dad's head and shit down his neck. Yeah. <laughs> That's every punk song. How are you a fucking punk rocker? You don't, you don't like, you actively don't like dancing. You've. Um, oh yeah, because d- punk and dancing are synonymous with one another, aren't they? Well, moving. Hey, do you want to go to a punk gig and have a boogie? <laughs> yeah, you don't do uh, the. You like alcohol, but you don't do any drugs, and you're. Mate, punk rock is very similar to stand up. All the fats cut out. You get straight to the point. You make your point, and then you fuck off. Really? That's, that's, yeah. Because you're like a. You've got like an old man energy about you. You wear tweed. You you're good at DIY. Yeah, it's because I broke my body and my dreams were crushed. <laughs> <laughs> that's why. 
I nothing works. Yeah. My knees don't work. Yeah. I got tinnitus. Snapped my Achilles this year. Yeah. I fucking. How do we snap that, babe? Chip my tooth in the microphone, jumping in. And, like, I've got nothing works. Is your voice fucked at all? Yeah, I've torn my vocal cords irreparably, and I could even when they were working, couldn't sing. Yeah, yeah, I've, I've heard the stuff. I'm fairly certain, and I'm not saying this for. I'm fairly certain I'm tone deaf. Really? Yeah, which is not good if you want to be a singer. See, I don't know that much about the music industry, but I, I, I've heard that as well. That yeah. to, tone is an important. I can't sing thing. harmonies. Which must mean I'm not a good singer. Yeah. Right? Is that why you were never in a barbershop quartet? It's why I was never successful. Okay. <laughs> and the tone of my voice isn't nice. Yeah. Um, which is part of why I started a punk band. Because I was like, I can cover up the fact that I can't sing. With if pure my attitude. Because when I listen to a lot of my solo stuff. Yeah. Like ballads and the acoustic shit. Like. As comedy songs, they're perfect, but I was being dead serious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, I've listened to a lot of them recently, and I was like, <laughs> if like this hilarious. was a joke, <laughs> yeah, yeah. this is a really... Yeah, there's a slight ch change of tone. Yeah, this is a perfect comedy song. Yeah, yeah. And, um, and with punk, it was like, punk is... I grew up, I'm a, I'm a punk kid. It was the first thing I loved. Oh, really? Stand-up and, and punk, were my, when I was about 11 years old, I got really into both, and hip-hop as well. Skate culture. Who, who, who do you, I, I, I'm, I don't know too much. I like All rock. the real punks, man. Sum 41, Blink-182, <laughs> Green Day. Green Day, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So the uh, hard rockers. Stank. Yeah, 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 yeah. The real. Um, um, I, I, I'm big into like British Invasion rock and stuff like that, but uh, what kind of punk would you... I was like Southern on. Californian as a kid. Yeah. So Descendants were a big, big okay, deal yeah. for me, um, which might not mean anything. To no, the, none of this means, but I'm interested Descendants to essentially invented melodic punk. So okay. if you consider punk rock as a rebellion to... So punk rock started because... It was a rebellion was, to the more... It was like, well, no, m musically... It's so anti-aesthetic. Yeah, but that became the aesthetic very quickly. Yes. So yeah, yeah, yeah. nothing is anti-aesthetic, yeah. really. Because if, even if but you its mission it, statement is being any against what is considered beautiful. Well, music was insane in about 1975. So the biggest bands in the world were like Yes and Pink Floyd, Zeppelin. Uh, no, Zeppelin was six, like late 60s, uh -huh. early 70s. But like it was prog rock. So Zeppelin yeah, yeah, progressed yeah. into prog rock. Yeah. So which is more like um, adventurous artistic rock, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, like concept albums. Yes, so a concept yeah, album yeah, is yeah. one long song yeah, over the yeah. course of an album, mm. and and the album's about oh yeah, like we took acid in the, in the Sahara and like and we just so before all of this became pretentious, it was just it was truly radical. It to was be doing no, it that. was always it was always Oxbridge students. Yeah. Posh kids yeah. Uh, with loads of synthesizers wearing fucking capes. I mean, this sounds fucking sick to me. And like, and like Pink <laughs> I'm loving Floyd, this. Like, it was like people, what if we like start the album with like nine minutes of clocks ticking? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, <laughs> which is actually a part of the song. <laughs> and you're like, yeah. And then some kids in New York and some kids in London went, fuck that. Let's take it back to basics. The guitar doesn't even need to be in tune. Let's just sing songs. But because of the state of the country, Everything was political. So it was Reagan and it was... Thatcher. Uh, when did Thatcher come into power? She was early 80s. No, so it was before Thatcher. Okay. Um, so we're talking like 75, 76. Oh, okay. And it was... And, and then, so you had CBGBs in America. So you had the Ramones, you had Blondie, yeah. Talking Heads. Um, and then in England, you had The Clash, The Pistols. Pistols were kind of a manufactured band um, put together as an aesthetic. Yeah. But The Clash were an actual band. But also The Clash wrote great songs, which people yeah. forget. Really? Yeah, they're fucking great pop writers. That's that's all the clash where they wrote mm. great pop songs, but they presented it through an aesthetic punk. And then you had like New Wave, which came after punk. 
so it's slightly more palatable version. So the police, Elvis Costello, and the attractions, that mm. kind of stuff. But in America, in the late so it 70s, had the raw energy, and then the mainstream found a way to make it palatable. And not the mainstream. It, it just people, you people like Sting used it to ride a wave of. They were going, well, this is in right now. Let's do this. Mm. Um, but then it was also, you know, Elvis Costello was a, just a songwriter, but it, because punk was the aesthetic, it was presented aggressively. Yeah. Um, but then you had in America, you had. Uh, in like Southern California, like Hermosa Beach, you had, so there was political American punk, but then the Ramones and the Descendants started singing about like having girlfriends and boyfriends and being dumped and like, and it became much more teen mm -hmm. angsty. Yeah. And that's what I came in. Loved, yeah. Mm. So I was a massive Descendants fan and like, but then that led to more political, like Stiff Little Fingers and Irish punk and stuff like that. So that was my... That was your entry into that sort of music. Yeah, and like also in the, in the punk thing, I Bill Stevenson from the Descendants produced our record, so I got to work with like my hero. Amazing. So that was like mad. Yeah. That was the best, probably the best bit of being in a punk band was just getting to hang out with someone who I'd been listening to his records when I was twelve. It's kind of wild. Yeah, you've had, you still have had some mad experiences, um, but the, the the kind of the headline for um, this whole section of the podcast is. The reason you didn't make it is because you weren't, weren't good, good enough. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I knew it. I There's knew. No, yeah. I knew. At the end of the day, it was just a lack of talent. Oh yeah, fuck yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You can put it down to like I was. I was talking to wrong someone time, different place. No, it was just a lack I, of talent. Well, I brought it up with someone recently in the wake of all the of all the Black Lives Matter stuff. A lot of my white friends call me a lot more now. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I, d I called you less. One of the unsung benefits. <laughs> I've got of black of friends yeah, now. <laughs> <laughs> I got so many phone calls of people going like, "Hey man, I just don't know if you remember, but in 2012, I said something to you in a pub in Shepherd's Bush, and I just want to apologize." <laughs> and I'd be like, "I appreciate that, but buy me lunch, and we'll yeah. talk about it." Uh, 20 minutes ago, I <laughs> said something really bad <laughs> to you. <laughs> that would be my. But um, to I you. got. Uh, um, I was chatting to a friend about it recently, and I went, "Hey, I was like, is it?" Someone brought it up and they were, sorry, someone brought it up and went, is it weird that in your scene when you were a kid in London playing music, you, everyone kind of did well except you and you were the only brown guy. And I went, well, I never really thought about it like that. And yeah, because that could be a reason. But then my but friend was, went, you were also untalented. It was also, it's not <laughs> like, I wasn't, it's not like I was James Brown. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they all went, no, we're not putting Miles him Davis, on. Everyone yeah. put me on. Everyone gave me an opportunity. I just wasn't... They were desperate for some diversity, to be honest. It was a dream. I mean, like a, a mixed race guy in punk, finally. That's oh, a great... That's a marketable. A he's not better. <laughs> he's got no doubt. He, you can tell he wants it. Yeah. Uh, but that's what it was, really. So, and you learn... I'm, I don't know. It's hard to be annoyed at it. I, I like my life now. Yeah. So, what's there to be mad at? Mm. Yeah. And then... But I guess the only thing is that because of... I do you find it because because of comedy it, it it does mean that your friend groups have sort of an ageless like it's weird oh mate absolutely it's weird I hang out I, I'm like mates are like a 55 year old dude like we just like we just hang out and stuff and like um, no, I just eat sandwiches in his bedroom <laughs> with the lights off yeah 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 he's a but, magician he does all these magic tricks for me in the dark 
Yeah, it's a lot of, lot of t- feel and so touch. So good. We play Scrabble, and when I put my hand in that bag <laughs> to pull the letters out, and it's all squishy. <laughs> oh, God. that's just When you're hanging out with comics, man, it's just wild. But it, it, I, what I do like is that you would just hang out with like a, a granny, a 12 year old, <laughs> like a, just like the age, the age range is so, age becomes so irrelevant. Yeah, everything that worked against me yeah. in music is a huge advantage now. Like what? Well, when you're in music, you're like, the clock's fucking ticking. Like I signed a deal when I was 22, I think. Mm. And then then that goes tits up and then you're working behind a till for four years and, and the whole time you're like, okay, so I've got, so Elvis Costello was 26 when he made his yeah, first album. Yeah, so yeah. I've got, yeah, yeah. Uh, I need to put my first album out two years ago in order for that to have been successful. So let's let's move on to someone else. Okay, how old, were, how old was that band? Yeah. They, they were 30. Okay, great. So this is the clock resets. Yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. And then you're 30 and you're like, okay, who's left? Yeah. And there's no one left. Yeah. yeah. And because the, there is a, with music you don't um it there's a there's a there's a cutoff there is a cutoff especially for what people are going to connect to no one's looking at the 30 year old rock band in the record label meeting going kids are gonna love this of course they're not why would they they're, and they're right to do that mm. but in comedy it's experience jo- john it's, bishop was starting when it's 40 in his 40s yeah Ron Shrang and Nathan was much older as well it's tenure and it's like it it, it adds experience i've got a lot of experience standing on a stage doesn't make me funny mm. but it means that i'm i've got a huge advantage in stagecraft yeah for sure that's it, the first thing i know because you're like three months in when i first saw you mm. and it, i thought you were like two three years in just because and then i heard the jokes I and like, then i oh, heard no, the joke no he's he's yeah, yeah, brand yeah. new yeah 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a very well polished turd your act for sure yeah yeah, yeah absolutely <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> performance is at an 11 jokes are at three <laughs> Um, but all those things, you know, race, you, whatever you want to put into it, races. I, when we toured America for the first time, our manager took me aside at a lunch mm. or a luncheon. And, Let's say luncheon. Um, yeah, um, uh, it's Thai luncheon. It's not as lunch. Yeah. You can't have yeah. a lunch. You can't have a Thai luncheon. No. No. And, um, she goes, unless you're rich and in Thailand. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and she goes, we're in this Thai restaurant in LA and she goes, I need you to know this before you go on this tour. In America, you're black. And I, that was my response. <laughs> and I went, what do you mean? And she went, you're black here. And I went, I'm mixed race. She went, doesn't matter. She's like, Barack You're not, you're, you're well, not like, white. She's like, Barack Obama's black. Yeah. And I went, yeah, but he's, you know, he's, he's got, he looks more, and she went, yeah, but he's got a white parent. Doesn't matter. In America, you, the police are going to treat you mm. And I'm not going to say the word, but it was the word. Yeah. And I went, hang on a minute, you're white, you can't say that. <laughs> but did she actually say yeah, that? Yeah, but she was just trying to make a point. Okay. It was uh, pretty wild. <laughs> and it fucking, it put the fear of God in me. And she was right. Like you are, there are elements to being in a band or touring America, especially when you're in Cheyenne, Wyoming. The amazing thing about being black, like it's, it's an odd thing for your race to be removable as a person. It's an odd thing for someone to go, I've been mixed race my whole life. And for someone to go, not anymore. And you're just no, you're another right. label when you're in yeah. another country. Yeah. And I've got very used to, because I've traveled some, I got used to having that experience, stepping off a plane in Switzerland and being like, ah, oh, now I'm fucking, I'm a different, I'm more, I'm, my color is a thing here. Mm. Or going to Doncaster and being like, oh yeah, okay, this feels different to London. Yeah. You know? Because... 
It's sorry. Can I just? Oh, sorry. Do you no, want no. To... You do. You know what? You do. You do your you, white man. You thing do a bit, and then I'll. Okay, cool. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, it's just if you want to. Are we okay. wrapping up? No, 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 it's fine. If just you want to stop your, talking. Look, your experience is interesting, but we're, can we we're crossing the line of racial. how important is the Israeli racism? I think we want to hear it's my interesting. view. interesting. We're an hour and 13 minutes. People are ready for the white perspective on this, but go on, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, fuck, I lost my face. Sorry, sorry. Um, uh, and it was... You're talking about Doncaster. Oh, uh, right, yeah. And it's all, all of that experience is a huge advantage in comedy. And also race isn't as much of a disadvantage in comedy, is my point. Mm. Is that... Um, and have you noticed that in the industries yeah definitely because comedy in the name one brown and everyone listening still if you're still fucking watching this mm-hmm. um, they will still will be who's got an hour and 15 minutes to kill my, watching the this people who trash. watch the people who watch my view my, my, my show this is honestly, turn it off turn it off and type in another podcast on your YouTube search and you'll find something better it does not matter as long as there's words coming in their head they're, they're happy honestly this they're really insane. The brain dead, but go on. Um, anyone, I again lost my train of thought. <laughs> I was saying that anyone. It's comedy, uh, between comedy and music, the racism in those two industries. You yeah, saying. and that it's an advantage in. Um, it's a, a na- you said name a black. Oh yeah, name one, name one brown singer of a rock band ever, ever. Everyone goes Hendrix, Lenny Kravitz, and the guy from Block Party. That's it. Name, name, name a singer. Name one massive rock band with a brown, apart from some forty one with a brown member. Hmm. Yeah, I guess so. It's a, and I'm not saying that rock music is a white. I mean, it is a white. Genre. It is a, yeah. Well, it, was a, it came from black music. But so did all everything music. did. Yeah, everything did. All music, anything good comes from black culture. Yeah, sure. That's yeah. just a fact. Yeah. Name one good thing that didn't come from people that people hate. Well, Beethoven had some bops. No, he didn't. Beethoven was fucking rap. Apart from ba 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 ba, that's a bit of a tune. He was so shit. <laughs> he was so shit. Wasn't he deaf? Was he the deaf one? Who was deaf? Beethoven or Mozart? Uh, I think Beethoven was blind or something. No, Beethoven. Which oh, Beethoven was black. Beethoven was black. Was there, was that, there was like a famous thing that Beethoven was like mixed race something. It was yeah, because like, it was actually his name was Beethoven. Pete- Tuff was good. It wasn't his You're real right. name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. His real name was Beethoven, <laughs> and it was a rap name. Why yeah. is there not? Who's the producer on all the why tracks? Why isn't there a producer called Beethoven? Beethoven, you're a genius. <laughs> but whichever the deaf one was, he used to stay awake at night by dunking his head in an ice bath, so he would stay awake and keep writing. Well, you'd have to if you, you have to up. work overtime Just if you can't. <laughs> no one cares that much. It's fine. Yeah. Just have some sleep. Mm. In 500 years, if it's good, we'll still be listening to it. Yeah. You don't need to immerse yourself. That's why he went deaf. Because he kept dunking his head in yeah. ice water. Yeah, take that Wim Hof. Yeah. Because <laughs> I felt like over the lockdown, and maybe this is a bit insular to comedy, but it certainly felt very present, is that comedy took a big knocking for like um, racism and sexism in the industry. It felt like there was a real spotlight shone on it. Mm-hmm. as like, And it, it presented itself as being... Um, because so many comedians were getting cancelled. But it seemed to like, I read articles like, what's the problem with comedy? But compared to other industries, I don't know if it's, it's a problem with society in general. I don't know if it's like a specific comedy problem. Like, in have you found it l- more or less racist than let's say music, more or less sexist than let's say music? So have much you- less. That's what I mean. But then I think it's women, much harder uh, I mean, to- No, I, I mean, I think women have it as hard in comedy. Okay. But, yeah. um, as a brown man, mm. uh, it's uh, it's definitely easier. Mm. Yeah. But because this is something interesting. I mean, you still get re- sorry. 
you, you, you yeah. still get like I had a guy I did a, jo- a race joke on stage about representation mm. and um, and about how they're making Disney a princess little little mermaid mixed race mm-hmm. and I was like that's good and the joke was like it's gonna be a difficult day for Ariel like new legs no voice and learning about systemic racism mm-hmm. all in the same and it yeah. goes on a tangent which is all these fake making everyone like, brown or black in, yeah. in, in movies right and I did the bit and a guy and a guy came up to me afterwards and when um, a comedian introduced us and when Ellie Craft went, he was like, hey, this is uh, Dave. He books cruise ships. And he went, and he went, let me ask you a question, right? He's like, why do you lot always go on about, right, all your jokes being like, oh, I'm this, I'm that, I'm that colour. He's like, it's 2019. Like, is racism still a thing? No. And I just went, well, you just said that you lot. So, yes. <laughs> They went, it's always a way where you like, you know, you left-wing liberal, blah, 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 you yeah. do that. And I'm like, why are you assuming I'm left-wing? Yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. I want to get them out as much as you, mate. <laughs> right? Come over here, steal my stage time, <laughs> fuck off. There's only one brown in this town. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and there was just this awkward silence where we had an argument and then Ellie Craft went, so you're going to book him for your cruise ship? <laughs> but like that, you still, it's still there, but it's, I don't think that there's, I don't think it's so much of like implicit racial bias in comedy. Mm. There's definitely racism in it. A hundred percent. I'm not saying that there isn't mm. and because there's racism in society and it's, and it's mental, the level of racism that there is. I'm just saying compared to music and my experience, mm-hmm. comedy, lived been, experience, my lived, my inner, my truth, <laughs> your truth. Yeah. Good. Good. <laughs> just like, oh man, we've made so many bad words up in the last few years. We? <laughs> just for, I just think for me and my truth. Yeah. It's like, when did that become a... I think we could... Care. Everything's your truth. Yeah, it's the... It's the, the Everything new, is your truth. The new jargon that comes in to make you feel like you're behind the times. I just to find, to find my own inner strength, great. Yeah. You don't need to voice it. Mm. Just be... <laughs> you don't need to put it on Instagram that you have an inner strength. Just have it. Yeah. And yeah, exactly. Have ca- anyway. Inner strength is having it without having to tell people Fuck about me. it. Uh, anyway. Um, but something you said to me, um, kind of like being in... Cent- uh, zones one to three in London uh, in the comedy world which is a very generally a very liberal world in a very liberal city it does feel from the outside like it's generally seems like a pretty liberal place and it's like it's easy to feel like we've moved past a lot of more blatant racism but as you were saying once you even get to zone four or anywhere out of London that's not a city centre then you start feeling a lot more, your colour, you start feeling it a lot more. Like it's a lot more visible is what you said to me, which I thought was quite interesting. Yeah, it's, that. I mean, that's perfect. That's exactly what I said. Yeah. 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 It's, uh, I yeah, it's the, anywhere you go outside of, you know, there's pockets in every city and there's obviously people with good hearts in every city. And when you say liberal, it's become such a loaded word. I th- I know. I, I mean it as the vague I know term. You, I know that you mean liberal as compassionate, understanding, and self-aware. I don't. I mean the vague term of trying to at least present yourself as progressive is what I actually mean. It's become a very loaded phrase yeah. now, where it's like left, right, liberal, yeah. uh, far right. It's yeah. like it just. I just to me, I just think be tolerant have a nice heart and, and and don't judge people. It doesn't matter what color you are. Some people are just dicks. Yeah. That's basically it. Yeah. Um, and yeah, when you go outside of, yeah, London, and, and I've toured my balls off my whole life, and I can say with authority 
knowing and understanding and experience that there's some fucking racist pockets in this country. Mm. And I feel it, even when I go see uh, see my mum, you mm. know, that's like an hour and a half out of London. It's different. Um, well, even when I go, wherever you go, um, most big cities are pretty cool with it. Mm. Um, but it's still not done. Mm. And if anything, I hope that what's going on at the minute with everything being brought to a head and, you know, protesting being the way that it is, especially in America right now, which by the way, sideline of the protests, it's nice to see people in America getting their steps in because they're quite big. Yeah, it's that's good. That's quite good. Yeah, it's, it's two birds, one stone. The racism that's been there. Because they're the quite a big country. No, so, obesity, and they're all out obesity and racism. No one's looking the at the bright two. side yeah, yeah, yeah. of both sides, the left and the right. Yeah. They're both getting, they're both yeah, burning calories. It's, yeah. Holding up, making, holding that to DIY, you know, more wholesome work, yeah, you know, for sure. Uh, <laughs> is that the cancelled bit? I don't know. No, no, that's not the cancelled bit. The cancelled bit. Yeah, maybe earlier. when I said get them out. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, it's uh, there's definitely. I th- hope that what's happening with everything comes to a head now is it's a bit like when you know part of your car's going to break and you just ignore it. When you know there's a hole in your tooth, but you don't go to the dentist. I think the fact that yeah. the world seems to have gone to the dentist. Terrible analogy. But no, I, think, let's go with I think the fact that everyone's going, fuck, there is a problem right yeah. now. Uh, Racism hope, is hope, a cavity. Yeah, yeah hopefully we'll, it will take a long time. But I hope that in what's happening now is we're readdress- the balance is being readdressed. Mm. And I hope that all the aggression on the other side is is sort of the death rattle of a dying breed of people. I hope. It's yeah, because you, you, you have a lot of hope. But then I guess what, what scares me is that I feel there's a lot of hope when I look at our generation, where across the board it feels like our generation really do believe in a certain level of decency. Um, but the think about old people now, they were, they, they were young in the 60s, you know? Which yeah. seemed like the like the most liberal, and they, a lot of those people who were on the marches and leading the sixties was a huge revolutionary period. Now they're kind of Brexit voting, conservative. It, it's quite sad to see that no matter how radical the youth can be, it does seem like age has a real way of making you more conservative. No, but th- just I just it's. I, I just assume nothing will ever make sense. I've got black family members who voted for Brexit and I've got white family members who voted to remain. Yeah. None of it makes sense. I've got a black immigrant family members who who voted to leave. Wow. And I've got white, well, those, white those... Tory voting family members who voted to remain. So is, Yeah, that is interesting. Because I've heard from some um, black people, black British people, that there is a movement of black people voting for Brexit because it's more like they're sick of how well... Uh, Europeans are treated over Commonwealth countries like how the EU um, privilege um, prioritises basically white immigrants from Europe and says fuck the rest of the Commonwealth so that's partly where a lot of uh, a Brexit feeling came from from some black communities in this country yeah yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah, good, good. Yeah, um, glad to contribute to that point of the. Yeah, because I, I, I was like, okay, it's just veering a bit too. Yeah, we we reached. That's the that's too far. Uh, um, but with, uh, do you? What are your genuine feelings about? 
comedy now? Like uh, the future of it? How do you, act, or do you not really don't know what's going to happen? Happen hell. Well, what do you think's what do you think's gonna happen to comedy post COVID? I don't know, I, I'll, but I'll do it. Mm. So, I mean, it's not really in my not, it's not really in my wheelhouse. I, I don't really think about that. I just really? I just want to do gigs and get better. So it's annoying to not have as many opportunities to play every night. Yeah, but um, you're big on social media, and I'm not. No, no, I mean, by big, I don't mean like liked or make good stuff. I mean like you make stuff consistently. Do you, know? <laughs> yeah. you do it a lot. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I meant by big. Yeah. Um, no, but we, we both are, are content cowboys. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but you, you, you post a lot of stuff on the internet and it feels like for of this generation of comics, it does feel like it's becoming more and more a necessary part of... Unnecessary or a necessary. A necessary part of being a comedian. Yeah, but I'm lucky that I, um, I've been f- dicking around on social media since it started. Yeah. Like, I've been on Instagram making jokes. Again, like I said earlier, like, the only thing that's ever connected to people. Mm. I had some, like... I, I, I won, like, awards for tweets. Mm. And um, it's a huge part of looking back at it now it's helped me learn how to structure jokes mm-hmm. twitter twitter is a horrible horrible place mm-hmm. and you probably shouldn't be on it for your own mental anyone yeah. yeah instagram not so much because at least that's a feed of it's a bit more curated yeah. not everyone can have a say if you like like it's very hard to read you can't retweet someone's racist thing and then all of a sudden you're looking at dead animals or well, you know yeah, what i mean yeah, like yeah, yeah, twitter's yeah. very disgusting and their whole uh, there's a lot less an- there's a lot more anonymity on Twitter. Yeah. I, I I strongly believe that all social media needs accountability. So if you want a Twitter account, so when I got a blue tick on Instagram, mm. I had to send them my driver's license. Yeah. Same on Twitter. You have to prove who you are. And I think that all social media, whatever account you're doing, you should have to prove that As you're a real to just person. Like a, like just a, a fucking br- a f- egg like- and a flag, and then you just. <laughs> giving Lewis Hamilton shit all day. Like, just, <laughs> what's wrong with your life? Just fucking walk off a bridge. I fucking hate those people. Yeah. And whether it's bots or not, accountability. But the thing is, is, Twitter know that their revenue stream will go down 80, 90% if they do that. Because really? there's only 10% genuine, people. clarified, like, real humans who who have entered details of who they are. Put pictures Maybe of themselves. 2%. Yeah. yeah, and I think that that's a really important part of of the future for social media. Um, it was really important for me because anything that anyone connected with when I first started doing it was me fucking around. And when I look back at my old tweets now, it's like, <laughs> it's like, oh, wow, I probably shouldn't have said that. But the context of Twitter was so different. It was, it was a lot more free. Well, you could be sarcastic, you could be ironic, you could be awful and people would know it was a joke. There, mm. was, a, there was a tonality and understanding of tone to it now, yeah. which is completely gone, which is fine because that's what it is now. But I think judging people because of a tweet they did nine years ago is like, it was a different landscape yeah. of, 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 of social media. It was, it was a kind of a punk rock place yeah. when it started. Mm. Um, like I won an award for a tweet in The Guardian that was like, not an award, but I got like funnies tweeters. And the yeah. tweet that they chose was like, 
really offensive. Do you remember it? Yeah. What was it? Was, it? Uh, um, everyone calls Stella Artois wife beater, but sometimes I'll hit my girlfriend after a Peroni just for the surprise. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great joke. Funniest tweets. If you put that up now, you would be fucking over. over. And I'm not saying, I'm not saying, oh, it's political correctness or mad. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying sometimes you need to hit a woman. Yeah, exactly. You've had a few, <laughs> you've had a few Italian beers. Yeah. Uh, no, all I'm saying, I'm not I'm saying... I'm not saying Peroni makes you hit women. I'm saying, I'm saying that you should any hit Any beer them. is, and then it's fine. That's <laughs> all I'm saying. <laughs> if you're going to do shots and hit you, get the fuck out. Yeah. But if you're going to have a pint beer, like a man... Yeah, then it's fine. Go home. It's chicken like pot pie again. No. Yeah. yeah. No, that's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying that it's political awareness or mad. Oh, you can't say what you want anymore. That's not what I'm saying. It's, it's healthier for the world that you can't make those jokes. But I do think judging people for what it was back then is a bit fucked up. Yeah. I think, I think we, we can... You got any other things to plug? No. No? Nothing. What's your tw- uh, Instagram handle? Josh Weller, Josh Weller. Mm-hmm. Twitter's Josh Weller. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just started Twitch. You start Twitch? Yeah, I'm twitching, baby. What are you twitching? I just I just really want people to think I'm young. It's clear. So I'm going to Twitch. Yeah. And I'm just going to talk about like cool things I love, like uh, biohazard yeah. and um, makeup. Are you actually twitching? Yeah, man. Are you doing just a straight talking stream? Well, I'm going to... My plan is I'm going to... Co- can you commentate on movies? Because it's I copyright. So. I think so, maybe. Maybe if you take the audio out, I don't really know. I think if it's live streamed, you could, but you can't save them. Yeah, I got in a lot of trouble with U2 fans last week for a tweet I did about U2 in the movie Taken. Yeah. Right? What was, it, what was the tweet? The, I did a tweet saying, uh, the girl, never never forget that the girl in Taken was taken because she was following U2 around on tour <laughs> in Europe. An 18-year-old girl in 2008. That is by far the most unrealistic part of the movie Taken, <laughs> was the joke. Yeah. And then, that was it. It was like two months yeah. ago that I did it. But then it went viral on Reddit and then cracked and Facebook this weekend. So I've had all the U2 fans coming at me. Yeah. So I want to, I thought it'd be funny to do a live, just watch Taken and talk about it on Twitch. Uh, yeah, that's a great idea. So I don't know what the future is for live commentary and copyright material, but also I want to start commentating Formula One races as well, which I might not do. Mm. But I think. Uh, do you have a Twitch handle or anything? Or? Yeah, I do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's Josh Weller, Josh Weller. Again, to like your Instagram. Yeah. Great. Well, follow Josh on uh, Twitch, Instagram. This will be coming out Fridays. Any gigs they can see you at uh, next week that uh, you'd like to plug? Fine, if not. Probably. Probably. Uh, we'll just check out on his Instagram. Um, but thanks a lot for coming along, Josh. That was really, really fun. Um, and I'm sure we'll have you on again soon. Um, probably. You're one of those I'm people who... Busy. You know, you probably, well, I'll probably find someone. Hopefully next week I'll find uh, someone a bit more, you know. Uh, <laughs> all right, thanks, thanks for listening. See you guys next week.